Welcome to season two of the Let's Talk podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church, where we talk about what it's like to be a Christian Monday through Saturday, to be a person of faith in a culture against faith. All right, so let's talk about mezzo interactions that the church can have in times of disaster. Um, so first let's talk about what mezzo level care looks like. Um, and the way that we talk about this in social work is communities, groups, families, organizations, um, this like kind of in between space of micro and macro. Um, this is, this is your, um, Oh, I guess that, that, that is a good example. Your church is a mezzo-level group. Uh, your book club. Your book club. Your country club. Yeah. Your, that's a crazy way to talk about it, but yeah, technically that's what that is. Any club your, you're a part of. Yeah, the company that you work for. Mm -hmm. Even if it's like a massive, you know, Fortune 500 company, because it's not macro. It, it is not macro. And it does it's not, not have, micro. And it's not micro. It does not have policy level uh, influence. Yeah. Maybe. Well, Fortune 500 companies probably have. I mean. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. Hold on. But like the way that the system is supposed to work. No. <laughs> well, you know, lobbying. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah. But the way that the system is supposed to work. Yeah. Um. Lobbying is a thing which we're actually going to talk about on the macro episode. But are you pro or against lobbying? That's a different conversation <laughs> okay. for later. Okay. That is not this conversation. <laughs> okay. Um So, okay. But that that's what this is. So we're talking about a group of people. Like let's just a conglomerate of human beings. Okay. That have a need that needs to be met. Okay. Um, which we end up finding in, you know, times of natural disaster, naturally, right? Sometimes the, hit, the storm hits stronger and harder in other places than it does in one place. Of course. You know, so for instance, when Harvey hit Texas, Rockport, got the most of that stuff and hit got the most of the damage. And then it came up here to Houston and did quite a bit of damage also, but then kind of like in some other places, it didn't hit quite as hard. Yeah, well, what got Houston was mainly the flooding. flooding. It was the flooding. Yeah. But the damage yeah, and disaster. Massive, massive. Massive. But Rockport was... Basically leveled, which like school buildings in tore Rockport. down. Yeah, no, I lived close to Rockport. Oh god, I didn't yeah. actually live in Rockport, but and not definitely not at the time. Yeah, uh, I had been gone for about a year and a half, I think, at that point. Um, but I still have friends. Yeah, that currently live in the area and friends that have lived there. Um, buildings. That people knew school buildings gone, 
destroyed. Done. Gas stations, Done. leveled. Grocery stores, done. It's terrible. This is an effect on a community, right? It impacts the individual more. But think about what do you do if your child's school was just leveled? What happens? Yeah. This is a school that an entire community of people depend on. Right. A building. Right. What do you do? Um, now, I think that the church is in a unique position to help at a community level. And I think most people think this. We just don't do a good job of it. That's the deal. We, we just, just don't, don't do a good, do job, a good of job of it. Cullen, we talked about this off camera. But why is the church in such a good position to help the community? Well, the church has people. Church has people. Church has people, and people provide networks. Mm -hmm. People provide access to more people. Um, and the church has people. Correct. Um, yeah, and people are a great commodity in times of disaster because in times of disaster, people are looking for a few different things. They all require the presence of people. Obviously, they were, they're needing resources, right? And so there's always going to be that resource element that's going to require humans to deliver those resources. Yeah. But they're also going to want genuine presence in the form of care. Mm. Just like a person sitting before them, weeping with them. Mm -hmm. But the other thing, you know what else they might need? Like some free labor to help muck houses after flooding. Yeah. Like, yeah, these people just had massive amounts of damage done to their home. They would love some free labor. For sure. Um, yeah, the church is in a unique position to help in a mezzo level is because the church has people. Mm -hmm. Correct. The church has people and the people are in the community. Yeah. Right. My neighbor's brother's sister's cousin, you know, house got flooded and they need a room until their house can be renovated you know yeah um cool we've got a family who's willing to offer that in our church yeah um we might have an extra room that is owned by the church that you can stay in right right like there there is multiple ways to do this but it's it's also so a church I used to go to, um, actually in the area, um, pretty close to Rockport. I'm not going to shout them out by name. Um, I don't feel like that would be ethical. Um, but a church I used to go to. Their Harvey response was pretty great. Um, they went out on an individual level. They sent individuals out at a mezzo level. They mobilized people and just encouraged them after church on Sundays. This is why I don't want to shout them out by name because this is where I disagree with them. They 
they used a tactic that is typically used to guilt people into doing things. Most of you go to lunch after this. Instead of going to lunch, um, how about you go walk the streets in your neighborhood and see if there's anybody who needs help? There is, I see multiple things in that. This is why, like, I don't, I got mixed feelings. Because there is an, an element, churches encouraging your congregation to do the right thing. But there's a balance, I feel, and maybe you can help me f- formulate this a little bit. There is a balance between shaming and telling the truth. Like, yo, this is what Jesus did. Um, meeting, like, meeting the community, being involved in the community, and sacrificing your own time, I think it's great. Um, but there is definitely a balance in shaming and also communicating the truth. And For trying sure. to mobilize your, your, your church. For sure. Um, well, part of the reason that they do that is it's a culture problem. Mm-hmm. We've created a culture in America where the church is church is a thing you attend. It's not a community you're involved in. Correct. And so because of that, it's impossible to get people to do anything. It's hard enough to get them to come to a Sunday service, much less to do anything outside of that. Yeah. Which and so I will say this church actually had massive impact, which we're coming back to, but I want you to speak yeah. to this. So I'm just speaking in like large levels, like at the you know meta narrative level, um, and so we shame people into doing things because we have created a church culture that says I'm here for me to be served, mm-hmm. not for me to serve, and so we don't have a culture of hospitality and unusual kindness like we were talking about yesterday on a closer look, um, and so because we don't have those things, it's hard to get people to want to help mm-hmm. because. You know, most people are going to spend all of their time preaching on sins of omission. Or sorry, sins of commission. Mm -hmm. Like the things you're not supposed to do. Yeah. They don't preach on sins of omission. Like, oh, here's a sin because you were supposed to do something and you didn't. Right. Um, I think majority of the sins that are like done and performed in America sins of omission they're the things we didn't do when we were supposed to Mm. um we didn't help the person we didn't show kindness we didn't serve we weren't willing to go out on the individual level Mm. now the pastors performed sin of commission because they shamed people into doing it but they do that because they're existing in a culture that's not designed to have people think about others first right they're creating a a system where Christianity exists to serve me, the person that pays the tithe. Right. Um, I think, I think that's totally fair. So like there is a delicate balance and you didn't actually give a, an idea of what a balance is because you <laughs> okay. haven't figured that out either. I see. <laughs> well, there's not a, ba- like, and I guess that's what I'm trying to communicate is I don't think there's a balance. There's a mm. culture. Mm. It's like so I don't. You need a culture change to fix this issue. 
Yeah, that's why we meet in houses, homeboy. Yeah. Yeah, because here's here's what we don't want to admit. Right, wrong, and different, whether you want to accept it or not, you're living in denial if you don't accept the fact that money makes the world go round. If you want to know what people value, follow the money. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Like, people ask me all the time, like, church consultant kind of stuff. Like, I'm, oh, I'm going into this new church. What's the first thing I should do? You want to know what they value? Ask about the money. Where's the money go? Money will always tell you what people value. It's true. Unfortunately, white evangelicalism tells me that 85% of the money given to white evangelicalism values itself. Mm-hmm. It values itself. Um, and in, in all reality, that's probably closer to like 91% of their money. Yeah. They value for themselves. Um, yeah. A, a, Church culture like that is not going to be one that just easily gets people up and going. Yeah. Like, it is a culture change. So that that's a part of the reason I wanted to have this conversation. For an organization to provide care, uh, for a group to provide care for the other group, you have to talk about the infrastructure of the group providing care. Right? And you just told us, you need a culture of care to provide care. Well, yeah, I mean that. Yeah, I mean that seems pretty self-explanatory. It, it seems that way, yeah. and you would think that's true. Yeah, but that's not how white evangelicalism works. It's rooted in shame. It's rooted in shame. It's rooted. It's in not shame. rooted in care. Yeah. Now, I will say this church. When this story was first told to me, because I wasn't actually a part of it at the time, I was like, oh, they're shaming people into doing this stuff. I actually talked to some people who actually went and did it. They didn't feel shamed into it. They were just like, oh, no. I can give up my lunch to go figure out who needs help. And, you know, to be fair, that's probably what these pastors intend for it to be. That's they probably. probably don't mean to. And like, that's probably I, fair. I don't, that's I, probably like, fair. I think these are probably very well-intentioned people. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to speak ill mm. of any, I don't know any of these people. But Fair enough. You're, you're, you're probably right. Yeah, all I'm saying is that the culture that they exist within makes those shame tactics. Yeah. Whether they mean for them to be or not, but that is what they are. Yeah. Um, because it's all rooted in a system that you're going to disappoint God if you don't do it. Well, and, and also we have a thing here that we need to address. If there's somebody in your church who needs help, you can't ask them to help other people until you help them first. Right. Well, and that's the other thing is like churches have to be really careful. Like you can't ask them because what in what inevitably happens in these moments the church messes up because the church has ulterior motives in everything. Mm-hmm. The church always has an agenda that they're pushing. Mm-hmm. These are not moments to do that. These are moments to yeah. genuinely care. And so lots of times, some of these bigger churches where they mobilize in these moments of disasters, they will forsake the care of their people for this, for the care of the person to come in the door. Yeah. That. Because it's about conversion, and yes. that that's not cool. No, it's not. That's not care. And that is something that I will give this church, based on what I've heard. It was not conversion. 
based. Yeah. It was solely people need in based. The, it was solely need based. It people, has to be people in the community figuring out where the community's needs are. Now, this is what I wanted to talk about. This is how churches can respond in times like this. You can use your people, your congregation, to figure out who needs help in the community around you. You have a community of people who you can mobilize if you have a culture of care who you can mobilize to meet that need. Yeah. If you don't have a culture of care, that's a different conversation. Yeah. One that we don't have time for. Yeah. But if you have a culture of care, you can mobilize your people to meet these needs of the people that exist in the community. But I better not hear you say, why don't you come to church on Sunday? Yeah, that's where it gets messed up. I better not hear you say that. What? You better just be meeting the person's need. Now, also what you can find is when the people in your community, when the people in your community are consistently bringing you a, a similar problem, there's just not enough food. There's just not enough rooms. What you have done is an informal needs assessment. A needs assessment is a thing that you do in like community health work. You poll the community, you go door to door, you find where the gaps are. Um, and then you develop programs to fit that. You can do that from your congregation very informally. And pretty easily, might I mind you. Yeah. It's not hard to do these. It's um, not. It's really not hard to mobilize people in this way. You need one really good administrator and some willing people. This is what we want my job to be. Yeah. At Will House. Yeah. This um, is the long-term vision. This is, the long, this is what we want my position to be here. Yeah. Is... Essentially doing this thing, maybe like with, or not maybe with lots of other things, but like in times of disasters where we have wells, like this is where my focus will be. Even where we don't. Like, and even where we, like where if can we, have we mobilize networks, people yeah, too? If, if we have networks. Like is there is there a family that came from this town that was hit by this hurricane? Like, oh, cool. Dope. Yeah. Is there people in the general vicinity? Yeah. But we use the network that we have to connect resources, yeah. which also means um, shout out like Daring Ventures. You know, we both have a great relationship with Jake Porter. Yeah. Um, maybe we don't do this formally as like Wellhouse Church, but like we find some people who need help like in that general area, hey, look, let me give you this guy's number or this this company that I, this this conglomerate that I know. Yeah. This practice that I know. Well, this is a great point. 
and maybe this is the conversation we need to talk about next week, but like now you've just, you've offered a solution to a need, but it requires resources, Does. which are now limited specifically money which unfortunately is what most needs are and it's a limited commodity which is also a conversation about the macro episode so next episode yeah but also let's not forget that in times like this sometimes the simple things running a food drive yeah Asking your congregation to bring canned goods and non-perishable items, diapers, uh, feminine hygiene products. Yeah. The necessity, some of these necessities for life, just drop them in a room. Yeah. That maybe you and like 10 other people from your congregation can go and distribute out in the community. There are simple fixes to these things. Yeah. There are simple ways that you can do this. And churches have done for hundreds of years. Yeah. Like, I feel like we, we, we forget, we, we try to make it harder than it is. Because we don't have a community of care. We don't have this desire to help the individual that lives in the community. And it took help restore community and the the individual as a whole to restore a community you have to restore an individual you have to meet the individual on their level but you have to be willing to do it for the whole community also no questions asked no guilt no shame you have a need here is the solution Thanks for listening to the Let's Talk podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.